the eighth psalm, and I just want to read two verses, verses three and four. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your presence is here. We know you're real, Lord God. And I pray today that you'd anoint, Lord, the rest of this service, Lord, as you have already. Speak to us, Lord God. And above all else, Lord God, let your will be done. Lord Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I want to minister this morning may not use as much scripture as I normally do, but uh, I want to minister, I'm trying to think of an appropriate title, but uh, why I believe, why I believe, hallelujah. A lot of people believe a lot of things, and uh, not everything's true, but a lot of people believe a lot of things, and uh, as we look around here this morning, there are people from different ethnicities. People, there are families, there are single people, both younger and older. And we're all here because we believe. And the Bible tells us that we need to be ready to have an answer. When somebody says, what are you in this Christian thing for? We need to be ready to have an answer. For some of us, it's been a part of our lives as far back as we can remember. Some of us have had the, the great privilege, and it is a great privilege, of growing up in and around the church. And I'm really grateful this morning for that privilege. I'm grateful for the fact that some of my earliest memories, not the very earliest ones, but some of my earliest ones, involve me being in the presence of the Lord, involve me being a part of the family of God, of a group of people. Nobody here except for Brother Gavin was in that in those memories, but just like this family, it is a wonderful thing to be able to look back and see those things every step of your life. But that's not why I believe this morning. My mother took me to church. My mother taught me you went to church. My mother taught me you didn't miss church. And so going to church was just as, as automatic in my home as going to school. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that three times a week and often more, I found myself in the house of God growing up. But that's not why I believe. That's not why I'm here now. It's no doubt a part of that. But you see, at some point, everybody has to ask themselves the question, what they believe and why they believe it. And there is no better place to raise your kids than the household of God and to teach them the Word of God and do your best to teach them the principles from the Word of God. But at some point, at some point, every child that grows up in the house of God needs to become acquainted with the God of the house and needs to understand why they're in this house. I've ministered from it before, but when you read the book of Genesis, when Jacob first left home and began his journey, his interactions with God were very much as though it was the God of his father. But through things that took place in Jacob's life and God's patience with him, and thank God for his patience and his long-suffering this morning. 
through the things that the Lord did and showed and revealed to Jacob, he became Jacob's God, not just his father's God. And every one of us has to make those choices at some point. Bless the Lord. There, is a, there are two words we use in the English language that I think they have Latin origins. They are macro, M-A-C-R-O, and micro, M-I-C-R-O. And they have a variety of applications depending on the setting and the context. But the general principle is that one refers to things that are smaller and one refers to things that are bigger. I'll give you an example in the field of economics, which I know absolutely nothing about. Macroeconomics is the big picture. It might talk about the financial situation of a country. The, the Australian economy would be an example of macroeconomics. Microeconomics is focusing on the smaller economics. It might be of a particular place or a business or even an individual. Your personal finances are an example of microeconomics, and some of you might think yours are more micro than others. But that's the difference between macro and micro. And the reason that I believe this morning is macro and micro. The big picture is that when I look at this world, the planet that we are standing on, and I look at how it is formed and how it is positioned and how all of those things came into being, that causes me, as the psalmist said, when I consider the heavens and the works of thy hands to believe that something, someone made everything that we see. The book of Hebrews tells us that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were made of things which do not appear. In other words, somehow the things that I can see and touch started out as something that was invisible. And scientists can tell us that if you break matter down far enough, everything basically comes down to being a little handful of positive and, and negative charges. Things that are invisible and somehow, I know how, but somehow those things come together to give us matter. And when you look at the planet, and, and I was not good at, at science, I was going to say I wasn't good at school at science, I should just leave the blank and say I wasn't good at school. But I remember enough to know that when you look at planets and the galaxy and the solar system and all those things we had to learn at school, our planet is held in an orbit. It's going around the sun. It takes one year to go around the sun. One year. And it doesn't shift. It just stays in that loop. And there is a force that is being exerted from the sun to the earth, and I'm going to be very careful to keep this simple because that's where my science level is. But there is a force that the sun has, a gravitational pull that holds our earth there, almost as if it was on a piece of string. You know, if you get, you get a ball or a rock and you have it on a piece of string and you swing it around your head, it can only go as far as the length of that string. Now, there is a force that pulls that ball to the end of the string because the faster you go, the, the more force is pulled on the ball. That's why when you swing it harder, it'll go further when you let it go. But as long as I hold it in my hand, the, the force that I'm applying to that string prevents the force that is pushing the ball away from me from, from achieving what it could do. And in a very simplistic fashion, and if you're a, a science, forgive me, geek or nerd this morning, 
be merciful on me after service. But in a very simple way, the earth is held by the sun in, 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 in gravity. And the things that contribute to that being held that, that way are the size and the mass of the sun, the size and the mass of the weight of the earth and the distance. And all of those things are balanced. The weights, the distances, the speeds, all of that is balanced to keep us the exact distance from the sun that is necessary for us to live. Everything there is perfectly balanced, distance, weight, speed, so that we don't go, if, if we were, let me get this right and not get it wrong, if we were heavier or lighter, whatever it is, if something changed, the earth would fly out into space and we would freeze. Something changed in the reverse of that, we would be drawn closer to the sun and we'd barbecue. But God has said it so that on nothing, a planet the size of earth is held in a loop that doesn't change, that doesn't move, that stays there. And while, while this planet is in that incredible loop, at the same time, it's spinning around. Now, there's no exam on this afterwards. But so the earth is spinning in, in its place, on its axis, and going around the sun. And so while we're sitting there doing little spins, doing a big spin, we've got a moon that also is involved in that fancy footwork that's going on with the planets, which is directly related to our Earth. It's not just to look nice at, the, at night. It affects the tides on our planet. And all of these rotations and circles and speeds and weights and distances are perfectly balanced so that while this is happening, we have four seasons, which allows food to grow, which allows nature to continue to go through spring and summer and winter and autumn, allows us to exist. And not only that, on this spinning mud ball, between the ground and the up there, there's a certain level where we're able to breathe the air. We're able to breathe the air, and not only that, the plant life on this planet inhales or breathes in what you and I breathe out. And we breathe in what it breathes out. Now, I've never heard a tree breathe, but they tell me that's kind of how it works, is that trees and nature produce oxygen, which we breathe in, which keeps us alive. And when we breathe out, we're getting rid of our junk, carbon dioxide, and the trees breathe that in. I'm talking about why I believe this morning. And not only that, the stuff that happens by, just happens to be in the rivers is necessary for us to live. It's called water, in case you haven't worked it out. It's bits of oxygen and, and bits of hydrogen that are miraculously put together to provide a liquid that you cannot live without. And on this spinning mud ball, that is the perfect distance, the perfect weight, the perfect speed from the sun that rotates to give us seasons, that has a little moon that stops the sea from flooding over us this morning and has seasons and all that stuff. It has a system whereby as the water goes into the ground, it gets sucked back up into the sky, gets filtered and cleaned and comes back to us. Why do I believe in God this morning? 
I'm not a scientist. I'm not a cosmologist or any of those other ologists or whatever they are. But when I look at all of this and how it is perfect and how it is precise and how it is just there, I would think I would have to be insane to think that happened by chance. And yet that is what many very intelligent people would try to convince us that all of that balance, weight, distance, speed, rotation, seasons, moons, oceans, tides, water, air, atmosphere, all of that, and I'm not even scratching the surface because I'm not smart enough to go much further than that, but all of that is purely an accident. That's what they would have us believe. What do I believe this morning? Now, without being facetious, somebody explained it like this, and I think it's a good example. I took my watch and got the little tools you need to take it apart. I think I could take it apart. I doubt I could put it back together. But if I took my watch apart, every link, every little screw, every pen, every dial, every hand... And I don't know how many pieces in my be. Let's say for argument's sake there's 100 pieces in a watch. And I put that in a paper bag and held that bag and shook it for a couple of billion years. Your arm would get sore, that's for sure. Evolution wants us to believe that when you open the bag after shaking the pieces for six million or so years, that you would have a watch put back together with the right date and time. But it's actually worse than that. Because what evolution wants you to believe is that when you shake the bag with nothing in it, you'll get a watch. That's the theory of evolution. Is that you can have nothing. Nothing. Because to remove God from the equation, you have to start with absolutely nothing. And so they believe that somewhere in a paper bag, six bajillion years ago, something blew up. And all of this just, this planet just came the perfect distance from the sun. Perfect size, perfect atmosphere, perfect natural life that would feed the life forms that live on it. All perfection by accident. And they think we're crazy. I'm talking about why I believe in God, and I'm not interested in mocking but I promise you they mock Christianity. Because it doesn't matter how much science or how many things they discover or how small and fine a detail, you, they, they keep finding the next piece of the puzzle, the next step to go one closer to being able to explain how everything came from nothing. But there is not a scientist alive that can tell me how nothing can become something. No charges... No neutrons, no protons, no electrons, no quarks, no, yeah, no little stuff. How none of that, if there was absolutely nothing, how can it become something? Chaos never produces order. Never. Somebody said once the, the mathematical probability of evolution is if a bomb went off in the junkyard and made a 747. That's about where it's at. We laugh at that, but that is where evolution's at. But the reason that people are so hung up on that is they want to bypass God. But here's, here's the thing. That's, that's the macro. That's the big picture. 
But what about the micro? What about the small stuff? What goes on inside your body every day? When you breathe the stuff the trees give you, your lungs inflate, your heart beats, and blood is pumped around this body through meters and meters and probably kilometers of blood vessels to every part that it's needed, taking nutrients and life and renewal. And every time you breathe in and out, this incredibly complex machinery is working. And then not only that, within the bones that hold you up is the ability to produce new blood cells. And as you breathe in and out, everything's being cleaned and regenerated. You know, there is not a machine on this planet that can self-clean and self-grow and self-heal like the human body can. And that's before we even begin to consider what's going on in here. Now, don't be looking at somebody and making a wisecrack. Because some of you think there's less going on in some people than others. Uh, like when I, back when I was a kid, late at night on the TV, you just got the snow. Some people are just like that. Shh, you know, that that's, that's all that's going on. But our minds are incredible. And the, 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 there is still so much that they do not understand about these bodies. And, the, and I, will, I will go as far as they, they never will. Because we're not simply matter, we're spirit as well. And the spirit and the flesh cannot be separated as easily as we would like to think because God has made us spiritual beings. And the reality, we often have said in the past that we are bodies that have spirits, but really we're spirits that have bodies. Because this part of me is getting old. But that which is in me that is God-sensitive, that feels the Holy Ghost, that responds to Him, that looks at nature and sees Him, is going to exist forever. This part is getting old. I had an eye test during the week, Brother Frost. I'm joining you. I'm going to multiple focuses soon. Because my Bible's having to get further and further away from my face. I'm getting older. It happens. But what's inside of me? We'll live for eternity. But again, you see, even all of that, that's a part of why I believe. But if I can convince every evolutionist that God created the earth and that's where it stops, why is it important? You know, if it's just, if, 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 if however this earth came into existence just simply happened and then that being just went away to work somewhere else, then really how it came to exist doesn't matter. That's macro. But... The micro that really makes me believe is not my heart, my lungs, my blood vessels, my synapses, the, amazing, the, the human eye. Oh, oh, that's not what really makes me believe. It's the fact that when I gave him a chance to change my life, to turn my life around, to take away my sin. To, to wash away my sin, to fill me with His Spirit, to do the miraculous in my life, in my home, in my family, in my finances, in my career, and in every part of my life, He has never, ever failed. And that's why I believe this morning. Not just because I believe He created this planet. That, that's an argument that just leads to arguments. But it's because that everything that's in this book that He said He would do, I was going to say, I've seen everything. I haven't seen everything. There's some things I'm still waiting for. I haven't seen the catching away of the church yet. I haven't seen the tribulation. I'm not planning on seeing the tribulation. 
If you want to hang around, that's on you. But there are things that are still yet to come, but there are so many things that he has said, if you, then I. If you will believe, then I will forgive you your sins. If you will worship me, then I will fill you with my spirit. There's things, if you will put me first in every area of your life, God will take care. What's our theme? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added. We don't live for the things, but he adds them into our lives. He takes care of the material things. I still believe in God because even when I've experienced him as a little child and in the foolishness of my adolescence, I walked away from him. He would not let me go. It's like I was attached to that string and I tried to cut it and he said, can't be cut. And he kept tugging and he kept tugging and he kept tugging. And he kept tugging. And finally, in surrendering my pride and my foolishness, I returned and he was waiting for me. Hallelujah. That's why I believe. I believe because every time I walk through those doors, he's here. Every time we lift our voices and sing, he's here. Every time we come into the house of the Lord, he's here. Every time I pray, He hears my voice. When you come down during the week and it's not a service, He's here. When I'm praying in my house, He's here. When I walk my dog and I'm talking to the Lord, He's there. When I'm driving down the street in my car, He's there. You can't make that stuff up. And anybody who's ever been filled with the Holy Ghost cannot honestly deny the existence of God. You may deny God, but you cannot deny His existence. Hallelujah. I believe because of his word. And this book, not just the Bible, but this particular Bible is precious to me. You ask my kids, you don't put anything on top of my Bible. That's just how I'm a little bit strange about that. But that's my Bible. That's the word of God. And there are so many things that I've tried in here that work. You know, if you, if you buy a recipe book, some of you that like to cook, you have no idea how good it is until... You try a recipe. Now, if you're like me, every time you try a recipe, you change it. That's just what I do. But you can spend, you know, when I was an apprentice, my, the guy that I worked for was a French pastry chef, a very, very talented man. And he trained with a man in, in France that is still very famous. He's quite old now, but he's still very, very famous. He's famous. He's won national awards. He's got his own castle where he does his baking. In France, that's not a joke, that's serious. And my boss had a collection of his recipe books. And they looked like Bibles. The big black leather-bound books that cost, I don't remember how much, but it was a huge amount of money. Valuable. Very valuable, particularly if you understood the value of it in the context of that industry. But until you actually open the pages, take a recipe out of that book, where's the value? It was no good to me. It was all written in French. But, but it's just, you know, I believe because I tried. That's why the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. God will not force you to believe. But I believe today because he's never failed me. I believe this morning because he's never let me down. I believe this morning because when I, like the psalmist said again, when my heart's been overwhelmed... 
when I haven't had answers, when I don't know what to do and I feel like I'm going down for the third time, there's a rock that I can cling to. There's a hope that I still have. There's a refuge that I can still find this morning. That's why I believe the more that men discover in the world of science, the further they seem to drift from God. But I still believe. I believe he's coming back. I believe he wants to save us. I believe he wants to save our families. He wants to save the lost of our city. And I've seen him do it again and again and again. I've seen him heal. I've seen him do miracles in my life, in my body, and in other people's bodies. I've seen God do incredible things. That's why I believe. This is not about tradition. I know this is a simple thought this morning, but this is just what's on my heart. Just want to encourage somebody. Why do I believe in God? Is it just because I come here? No, no. If it wasn't real, I wouldn't be here this morning. What is it? I'd probably be out of bed by now, maybe. But if church wasn't on, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd be doing something else. I, I wouldn't come just because my mother came. I was talking to a friend the other day on the phone and they rang me and asked me to pray for a family member. Said they were praying and just felt to call me, somebody from the East Coast. And I know their family member very, very well. And I've seen the fruit of that person's choice. I grew up with that young man. We grew up together. We went to church together. We worshipped the Lord together. We got the Holy Ghost at similar ages. We went to youth group together, but for reasons I still don't really understand, they chose, they made decisions that took them on a different pathway. And if I was able to, for the sake of obviously discretion, I'm not going to this morning, but if I could project up there two columns and show you the fruit, of the choices of both of our lives in the last 20 years. One reads like the grace and the mercy of God. It doesn't read about me being good. It reads about the grace and the mercy of God. The other one reads of broken marriages, mixed up kids, and all manner of issues and legal problems and heartache and just terrible choices. But God is faithful. You know, I still believe because I'm praying for my friend. I'm praying that God's going to change that story. That's why I still, I still believe. That's why I still pray. Because I still believe. I still believe he can do the miraculous. I still believe that the time is near when you're going to have to get here early to get a seat on a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. I still believe because God is faithful. And every time I've, you know, in the book of, Malachi, I think it was, the Lord is chastising his people for their lack of faith and their lack of putting him first. And really it's to do with their giving. And the Lord says to them, put me to the test. He basically challenges them. He said, put me to the test. Do the things I ask you to do and see if I'm not true to my word. It's almost like a dare. I dare you to try me. I dare you to see if who I say I am is not who I say I am. And I would say to anybody this morning that's wavering, take the challenge. Take the challenge. Let God demonstrate that he's faithful, that he's true, that he provides, that he will never fail you, that he will never... Put your family in God's hands. Put your finances in God's hands. Put your life in God's hands and see if he's true or if he's a liar. 
Scripture says, let God be true. And every man a liar. Let God be true. That's why I believe. That's why I'm still here. That's why I'm looking for the soon coming of the Lord. I believe because God has kept me. I believe because I believe God brought my wife into my life and matched us perfectly. And I'm not, it's not Valentine's Day. That's a little bit later on. But God can take care of every aspect of your life. Some people believe, I don't know how we get onto this, but some people believe that there is one perfect person for them that is the perfect will of God for them to marry. I used to believe that when I was younger and more idealistic, but I don't believe that anymore. Do you know why I don't believe that? Because it only takes one person to make a bad choice and the rest of us are all messed up. If, let's not use, I'm trying to use names that don't match with anybody here. But let's say, for example, that it's the will of God for young Billy in the church to marry young Mary. I don't think we've got a Billy or a Mary here, so we should be, should be fine. And then Susie's supposed to marry Johnny, and Freddie's supposed to marry, um, let's go for Beth. There we go. Okay, let's say that God, and, that, and that's exactly who, what God's will is. All it takes is one of those young couples to get it wrong. If, if Billy marries Beth, then we've got, we've got chaos. Nobody else can marry the right person. So the power of choice is still very much in our hands. But I believe that if you honor God and put God first, he can help you with that choice. Amen. That's just free, young people. That wasn't a part of what I was going to say this morning. But uh, there's... Other than being saved, there is no more important decision that you will make than who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because that choice will determine how long the rest of your life feels. All the married people said, thank you, Jesus. Last month, my wife and I have been married for 23 years. I think I've got that right. Yes. But I can honestly tell you, it does not feel like 23 years. It feels like half that. Because God is in the mix. Anyway, I look at our lives and I go, well, if I'm 45 and Matthew's turning 20, yeah, we've been married a while. But it doesn't feel like 23 years. Why? Because God is in the mix. You marry the wrong person, 10 years will feel like 25. Bless the Lord. I know I'm not as structured and biblically centered as I might normally be on a Sunday morning, but this is why I believe. When I look out at your faces, and I know I don't know everybody's story, but I don't know enough stories to know this is why I believe. I see people who God has delivered from addictions. I see people who are living wild and rough and messing up their futures who God has turned around who's called them into ministry. I see families that God has changed and relationships that have been healed and situations that were... I see people whose bodies have been healed, whose spirits have been healed and made whole, who God has healed and is healing their emotions and their hearts and their families. That's why I believe this morning. If God wasn't here, if He wasn't changing us, we might as well lock up and go do something else. But that's why I believe this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe because whether God heals Brother Paul Benici or not, 
I know where he's going. I want him to heal my brother. I've known him a long time. I love him. But even if God does not heal that body, when he passes from this life, he's going to stand before the one that gave his life for him. That's why I believe. And you hear it, and it can be a bit of a cliche, and I'm, I'm not a fan of cliches. But if all of this turns out to be the biggest hoax that there ever was, and we are conned more than anybody's ever been conned, we've lost nothing. If I die and they put me in the ground and I'm just worm food, Lord help the worms, and that's all I ever am, then this life that I've chosen is better than anything that's out there. I'm not, you know, we talk about suffering. Let me be brutal if I can. We have no idea about suffering for the gospel in this country. We don't have a clue. We do not have a clue. Somebody calls you Bible bash or gives you a hard time at work or, or at school and we fall to pieces like somebody wants to stone us to death. We don't have a clue about persecution. We may do, yes. The Lord tarries. We may see it in this country. But even if things turn upside down and religious freedoms are taken away and all that stuff, it's still going to be worth it. Stand with me if you would this